Black literature. What is it? Where does it come from? Who represents it? Is it fake or is it authentic? Black film, black music, black movies, black books, black looks. What is black literature? Many people have described it as something unique to the culture and is expressed in words, perhaps in theater and in moaning. This is Lamarache, the Queen Dawn, from across the pond. And today, it's a hot night in August, and I'm here to explore Black literature. Hey, this is Lamarache, the Queen Dawn from across the pond. And right now you are locked on to Jazz E Lounge, the podcast. It's the first week of August 2022. And I can't believe that summer is in full effect once again. And I'm just so thankful to be all up in it. You hear me? So today on Jazz E Lounge, I'm going to continue with my last episode. And I was talking about sepia sepia magazine sepia magazine now i want to say that the last time we chatted about sepia magazine i told you that i was at the tri-c cleveland jazz festival and i ran into the curator of an exhibit that featured photographs from sepia magazine so i had to do a little research on sepia magazine but in the midst of doing that i said you know what i'm gonna check out some more magazines that are um, created by african americans and um, i was not surprised because i knew of books uh magazines called the crisis and uh, i knew of the messenger um, but I did not know of the extent of magazines that were and books that were created by African Americans. I'm talking about over a hundred years ago, which proves, without a doubt, this is evidence based, that African Americans were very literate even a hundred years ago during slavery and after slavery. There were a lot of African American prominent professionals. Anything that it was to do, black people were always up in it. Trust and believe. Because we uh, we were in America. We observed Americans. Uh, we lived Americans. Uh, and we just, we could do everything. A lot of us, uh, different people were uh, could do certain things. And that was the beauty of black people in America and creating culture. So while I'm checking out Sepia Magazine, it was founded in 1946. So I'm already thinking like, my God, black people were writing and creating and publishing books and magazines. Sepia was founded by Horace J. Blackwell. It was a photojournalistic magazine. And its, its main objective was to just promote African-American achievements. So in the midst of what was going on in America in 1946, we're still talking about segregation and lynching. Magazines like Sepia were continuing to promote 
African-American achievement. So hopefully we'll get a chance to um, talk with the curator uh, coming up this week. I'm going to contact her again. Um, that's Miss Carol, and I'm going to holler at her for sure. But when I come back, I'm going to talk about 11 magazines or journals that I came across that are they were printed over 100 years ago with photographs. And that led me to who was on the cover of these magazines and journals, uh, what was being portrayed on the cover, and if any jazz musicians appeared on the covers of any of these magazines. So another interesting thing that's going to happen today on Jazzy Lounge, we're going to dig deep into black literature. This is Lamarash, so come on back. Hey, this is Lamarash, and as promised, I am back. This is about black literature, and this segment was really inspired by Sepia Magazine and me meeting the curator of this the exhibit that Sepia Magazine was able to... Actually, let me back it up. The photographs that Sepia Magazine had from a certain period, like 1948 to 1980. Um, it was a, maybe 45 photographs that were recovered. And this woman I met, Carol, had access to these photographs and she put them on an exhibit that was actually featured at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So let me get that right. These are photographs from Sepia Magazine. So these photographs included jazz musicians. So once I saw these jazz musicians that were um, a part of this uh, magazine's uh, collection, I was really interested in knowing how many jazz artists actually graced the cover of black magazines as well as appeared in them. Okay, so that was the focus, and um, let's get down to it. So, um, you know, I, I decided I'm going to look up a few magazines and literature and books and things like that to see what other magazines were around. And actually, I was just blown away. At first, I said I wasn't surprised because uh, I do, knew about a few, which meant that there were others, but I didn't ever take the time out to find out exactly um, what these magazines were about. So in no particular order, I'm going to start talking about the number one. I have 11 picks, and then I have some uh, others that we're going to mention. So I knew about the Chicago Defender. I knew about the Chicago Defender because I was a uh, master's degree student in the Department of African and African American Studies at Ohio State University. So I knew about the Chicago Defender, and that was founded in 1905, okay, by Robert S. Abbott. But some of the writers who contributed to The Defender, check this out, were Ida B. Wells, Gwendolyn Brooks, uh, Langston Hughes, for example. And this particular uh, magazine, it encouraged migration from the South to the North. So that's, that's heavy. It was also a campaign against Jim Crow. So the Chicago Defender, and think about what it is. We're in Chicago. Chicago was straight up north in the early 1900s. It paralleled um, the Harlem Renaissance in New York. It was a lot of blues and jazz going on in Chicago. Um, it was a lot of jobs in Chicago. Uh, industrial uh, revolution had, had taken place in Chicago. And there was um, a lot going on, okay? 
a lot of uh, uh, other migrants from other parts of the world were going to Chicago and things were popping off in Chicago and that's way north. So this magazine encouraged migration. So of course that meant that the magazine was not just in Chicago, but it was traveling. It traveled across the country and it was able to travel across the country for many reasons. Um, it was able to because we had the trains, the, the, the train system, you feel me, was going down. Um, you can go on train across the, the Pullman train um, from California to New York. Okay, they had already built railroad tracks to accommodate people. So you have magazines and books and literature and, and, and information going through trains to get to place to place. Okay, so that was one of the magazines I wanted to talk about. And then The Crisis, this is another magazine I, I knew about. I knew about this magazine because it was the official magazine of the NAACP. So I knew about The Crisis, but I didn't know that it was the oldest black-oriented magazine in the world, in the world. And it was um, formed in 1910, dig that. So in the height of the Harlem Renaissance, we have the Chicago Defender, and we have this Crisis Magazine, for example. And the Crisis Magazine, listen, it was a journal, okay? It was a journal of civil rights, history, politics, and it was his mission was to to seek to educate readers about issues that plagued African Americans. So again, the crisis, the name of it alone, we were in a crisis here. Things was popping off. Slavery was over. There was new opportunities, new things going down. But you also had to be uh, alert and uh, warned about the real issues in politics in in America because at that time Ku Klux Klan were forming a lot of lynchings were taking place um, and um, the crisis they they wanted to let people know and educate readers about these particular issues uh, number three is the colored American magazine it was the first American monthly publication that covered African American culture and this was from 1900 to 1909 so when we think about culture, we're talking about everything from the, the literature, the arts, the music, um, the politics, the history, what was going down in the early 1900s. And if you know about the early 1900s, you will know that black people in America was setting up this new cultural phenomena through music and art and, and dance, you know what I'm saying, and jazz and ragtime. Uh, were a part of this, as well as dances that accompany these genres. So a couple more notes about the Colored American magazine that was first published in 1900. It had a short life, nine years nonetheless, but it was published by the Colored Cooperative Publishing Company. Dig that. And it was, the editor was uh, one of the editors. One of the editor, editors was Miss Pauline Hopkins. So big ups to Miss Pauline Hopkins. When I come back, I'm going to hit you off with number four, okay? It's jumping off. We talking about black lit, culture, history, politics, via publications and photographs and things like that. It's LaRush.
This is Limrosh as promised. I'm back. I'm still back. I'm here to talk about black literature. So listen, in fact, in 1917, the Messenger magazine was published. Now, this was a political and literary magazine, and its founders were Chandler Owen and A. Philip Randolph. If you know Mr. A. Philip Randolph, you know he was an attorney who was um, instrumental in aiding the black Pullman porters. Pullman porters. They were the porters on the Pullman trains during the early 1900s. And um, there's a story about that. You might want to check that out. 10,000 men named George. Okay. What does that mean? All of the black men on the train who were workers, white folks just called them George. Their, Their names weren't even George. But they didn't want to care about their names. Give a damn about your name. I'm going to call you George. George, get my coat. George, pick up my wife's suitcase. George, I need a drink. George, it was just Georged out. You hear me? (laughs) It was ridiculous. But this magazine, The Messenger, uh, was published in 1917. So check that out, okay? A. Philip Randolph, big ups to you. Number five on my list, The Horizon a journal magazine of the colored line. Woo, can you hear me? 1907 to 1910, and its editor was W.E.B. Du Bois. And it was a communication for the Niagara Movement. Look up the Niagara Movement. I didn't put too many notes beside that because that's a whole nother history. But I just wanted you to understand what these magazines, what their objectives were and what their mission statement was and what their aim was. Okay, so number six, the Negro Digest. And that was published and first came out in 1942. And that was by Brother John Johnson of Johnson Publishing Company. And you know Johnson Publishing Company went on to create the baddest magazines, I'm going to say ever, because they were most popular. You know what I'm saying? That was Ebony and Jet magazines. Okay, and Negro Digest in 1942, its aim was to cover positive stories of the African-American communities. So that's deep. I love that. That meant businesses. That meant school teachers and lawyers and dentists, professionals that were in the community. Uh, you, you had to stay in your community because it was segregation. So all of the professional people were in one community. If you had a grocery store or if you, had, if you were a tailor, uh, if you were a dressmaker, you, uh, uh, you were a stylist, you were a maid. Everybody lived in the same community. You know what I'm saying? So um, the Negro Digest was about that. The next one on my list, seven was Sepia. And I talked about Sepia, the frontal journalistic magazine. The next one, this kind of blew me away. And I might have to do a little bit more research because it sounds like something I might want to put together on a stage play about. This magazine was founded in 1926 during the Harlem Renaissance. And it was called Fire. Fire. Some of its writers included County Cullen, Zora Neale Hurston, Langston Hughes, and Wallace Thurman. Dig this. Fire magazine Mm. was a literary magazine. And at that time, they would explore, these writers, they would explore expressions of bisexuality 
interracial relationships, and even prostitution. Whoa. Oh, you know what I'm saying? When I found out about this magazine, Fire, mm, Fire. Oh, baby, I knew I had to dig deeper into that one. So I'm definitely going to come back with that because if it was during the Harlem Renaissance and these contributors were writing about it, you know that jazz and drugs and women was all up in it, baby. So I want to really find out a little bit more about fire. That's really hot to me. Honorary mentions I wrote on this page that I'm looking at my, my little notes. The Black Sports Magazine. That came out in 1971. It was short-lived, just for a year. As well as Saturday Evening Quill. Saturday Evening Quill. And that was uh, from 1928 to 1930. These are also African-American literary um, projects and, and businesses that people actually achieved. So when I come back, I have a few more. That was number eight. I have 11 and then a couple more I'm going to chat about. So I want you to really explore these magazines. And I've already found some photographs myself uh, where magazines featured jazz artists, you know what I'm saying, like like Duke Ellington and Miles Davis, for example, and um, just other people, Dinah Washington. and and, um, Okay, we're going to come back. All right, peace. I heard someone say that education is the key to freedom, the pathway to success. And check this out. African-Americans have been achieving academic success for hundreds of years now, during slavery and after slavery, and even today, African Americans are making many, many different achievements and accolades every single day, and I just want to salute everybody all the time. This is your lady friend, LaRoche. I'm moving on to number 9 through 11 right now on the African American Lit edition of Jazz E Lounge. And the reason for this episode is coming from the inspiration from Sepia Magazine and Sepia's photographs of famous jazz musicians that appeared in their magazines in the 1940s. That is the inspiration. And it took me to just trying to figure out and and discover and research different magazines and other journals and literary um, publications that African-Americans published in America. And it's been blowing my mind because all of these are over 100 years ago. Okay, and some of us, including myself, did not have a clue. But I just want to big ups anybody that uploaded this information on the internet. Big ups to you because it, there are a lot of magazines, and I'm not covering all the modern ones. I just want to focus on the early literary works. So number nine on my list. It was published in 1920. And listen, we're in 2022, so that's already 102 years old. This magazine was the first magazine published for African-American children and youth. And this magazine was called The Browner's Book. (laughs) Dig that. Now, The Browner's Book, I have to look that up some more because that should still be around. I don't understand why 
of the first magazine published for African-American children and youth may not be around or exist. But if you don't know about it, you won't think about it. You know what I'm saying? Out of sight, out of mind. So I want to make sure that I encourage each and every one of you to, to look up these magazines, do some research, and see if you can even contribute to writing an article or some kind of short story. That would be dope. You understand me? So number 10, this was published in 1888. Oh, my goodness. We're just talking about 20 years or less, uh, well, about 25 years uh, after slavery ended, roughly. Our Women and Children was published in 1888. Our Women and Children. And it featured African-American women journalists who covered juvenile literature, and their focus was just to uplift the race. Our women and children. Without the women, there would be no children. (laughs) You understand me? So this magazine in 1888, after slavery, Civil War, America don't know what to do with itself, trying to figure out how we're going to move on. Somebody publish our women and children so that the focus can be on uplifting the race. And uplifting the race became a theme all throughout the 20th century. How can you uplift the race? You can uplift the race in many ways, but it first started with education. After slavery was over, there were hundreds of people who were literate, but there were thousands of people who were not, who were illiterate, could not read, could not write, but they were hungry. They wanted to learn. They wanted to read. And in order for them to read, they needed something to read. A lot of the books in the libraries did not want black people to even read books. They didn't want you to go into a library. You couldn't go into a library. You didn't have no library card. How you go? Black people right after slavery going to the library. Really? I don't think so. But there were libraries. There were books all around. So black people created their own literary works, own magazines and journals. And that was one of the earlier forms of literature that I found. And I know there are earlier ones because it comes through African-American literature and books that dates back to the 1700s with Phyllis Wheatley. But right now I'm, I'm talking about in 1888, Um, our women and children and number 11 the one I just wanted to talk about was called Opportunity Opportunity was a journal of Negro life and it was first published in 1923 that's 99 years ago (laughs) next year will be 100 years this was uh, produced by the National Urban League and that organization still exists. Um, This journal uh, highlighted literary culture of Harlem Renaissance, and the focus was the advancing of black people. Come on now. When I look at some of the literature now, entertainment, music, dance, form, and styles, It's not advancing black people. It's showcasing black people, but it's not advancing black people, nor is it uplifting the race, in my opinion. 
So those are two key things that early black literature sought off to do. They wanted to uplift the race. They wanted to educate and inform. They wanted to talk about politics and art and different movements and music. But more importantly, the whole issue is black people were literate. And they were writing and producing and publishing magazines that dates back to, I'm going to say the 1700s, but in particular on today's list to 1888. So when I come back, I'm going to wrap up my episode and I'm going to talk about two or three quick magazines that I um, wrote down <laughs> and I'm going to talk about briefly. So we got one more small segment. Come on back. This is Lamrush. Let me inspire you. You know, when I think about modern day writers like Nikki Giovanni and James Baldwin, I also think about um, different arts movement and writers uh, who contributed to um, literary culture in America. Uh, that, that was just naming a few. Um, now we have Amanda Gorman, who is a poet, well-known poet now, who um, read her poetry at the inauguration of President Biden in America. But when I was growing up um, in my household, I remember Ebony Magazine, which was actually founded in 1945. Check that out. And Jet Magazine was 1951. And those magazines that I remember, they were promoting black beauty all the time in its many shades and essences and cultures and different realms of culture and and Ebony and Jet magazine that I remember it was in everybody's home any home that I went to one of those magazines was sitting either in on the living room and on the table in the bathroom <laughs> in a in a uh, basket on the floor someone's room had pictures from the magazine on their walls and in Jet they had a, a segment called the Jet Beauty of the Week and that featured a beautiful, young, black woman, normally and usually in a bikini. Uh, today, it would probably be considered uh, half-sexist because <laughs> there's so much else going on all the time. But those are the magazines I remember seeing in households. But Ebony also had a, a magazine called Ebony Jr. And I remember getting those uh, subscriptions in the mail. And that was a big deal for me to get a magazine in the mail that was uh, black oriented. And that was for children, for black kids. And that was Ebony Jr. And I want to shout out the Johnson Publishing Company for just putting that out there during the time when I was a young girl. Um, also, when I was a teenager, there was a magazine called Write On and Word Up. Okay, Write On Magazine and Word Up Magazine. These magazines came out in the 1980s, and they featured hip-hop culture. Because at that time, in the, in the early 80s, hip-hop 
was a culture that featured breakdancing, that featured DJing, that featured emceeing and graffiti art. And that culture was represented in those two magazines in particular because I remember having them, um, which was Word Up and um, Right On Magazine. And I also remember getting Black Enterprise. Black Enterprise actually started in the 1970s. And that was strictly business-oriented. That was a a lot going on in Black Enterprise. That was for the Black professional. Um, So those are the magazines that I wanted to leave with the honorable mention. But the last thing I want to talk about, again, is this Fire magazine that was a promiscuous magazine that featured some hot Black artists and writers of the Harlem Renaissance. So I'm going to dig deeper, and I'm going to look for more information on Fire Magazine. But in the meantime and in between time, I'm going to post some photographs up on my social media page that represents jazz artists who appeared in some of these magazines that I mentioned and other magazines that I did not mention. Um, And I hope you enjoy this segment, this episode of Jazz E Lounge, the Black Lit There goes my phone. (laughs) This is LaRoche saying ciao for now.